0: people you love play five songs they love and tell you why there are certain bands that are part of the fabric of double and triple j My
1: happiness, so back. Now you're at home.
0: Powderfinger is one of them as we trek through the Take 5 archives i want to take you back to summer 2015 When Triple J was celebrating our 40th birthday, it was such an amazing time. We got to connect the dots between the original Double J to Triple J to our new Double J fan. Former presenters jumped on air. We played heaps of wonderful memories across our networks. And we celebrated with a massive concert in Sydney's domain called Beat the Drum. Bernard Fanning joined Vance Joy on stage to cover Australian Crawl. It was a moment. Throw down your line. Don't be
1: so reckless Throw down your
0: line. But right before the gig, I asked Bernard to come in and take five. He and Powderfinger have so many memories with Triple J, not just as a band, but as listeners too. Bernard's first pick? The Disposable Heroes of Hypocrisy. One Nation under God, has turned into one nation under the influence of one... And I asked him why he chose it.
1: Well, I remember hearing it on the radio because, I, I mean, I didn't know a lot about hip-hop. I mean, hip-hop was a different scenario then too. It was nowhere near as popular or as mainstream as it is now. Yeah. Um, and
0: In Australia. In Australia, yeah, yeah, I should yeah. say.
1: Um, and hearing that and, and hearing the kind of political... Power of what was being said in that song Prior to that I'd never really been into Politics in music when I was a teenager I was really into like Tight pants rock you know like (laughs) Led Zeppelin and whatever else you know. And I didn't really listen to the radio that much to be honest Um, And Triple J Probably changed that for me a fair bit
0: Television The drug of a nation Breeding ignorance and feeding radiation On television The drug of a nation Breeding ignorance and feeding radiation TV it's Satellite Links, by United
1: States of Unconsciousness. That was one of the first songs that, that kind of turned me on to the idea that you could you could be saying things really powerfully within music. I mean, I, I'd always loved Rodriguez anyway f- since I was a kid and mm. that's, I mean, he just happens to be really trendy now, but... Um,
0: you knew I, him before everybody else did Well, I had an older
1: brother that, yep. that was kind of into it. Sugar man, won't you hurry? Because I'm tired of these scenes. In yeah. fact, yesterday I was in a taxi on the way from the airport and Sugarman came on the radio. The taxi driver had some disaster doof doof commercial station on. <laughs> and Sugarman started.
0: It's been remixed though. And
1: Yeah. Can we can I start a campaign to get whoever did that? To the International Criminal Court for Crimes Against Humanity. Shame, it's a disgrace.
0: It's a disgrace. It's horrible.
1: It's it's disgrace. horrible. Yeah, it's awful. So I couldn't believe it. I'd never heard anything like it. I was like, this sounds a bit fast. What's going on? And then suddenly do. I nearly threw myself out the window.
0: Ben Harper's ground on down. Tell us about why you chose that one, Bernie.
1: I heard Ben Harper first on Triple J, same with disposable heroes. And I think it would have been his record before that, Welcome to the Cruel, Cruel World. Mm. Um, but that song in particular just blew me away when that came out. And you're working your way from the ground down mm. I saw him and his band play at the zoo in Brisbane, um, which is just a small venue of a few hundred people, and it's still one of the best shows I've ever seen. It was just phenomenal, and I particularly remember that song. He had a, he had an incredible drummer. He had this guy who was who had like a skinhead and all these tats. He was like he looked really out of place because Ben Harper was kind of a bit of a hippie, like yeah. a gospely hippie kind of thing.
0: Definitely looked like he hung out at Woodford Folk Festival. Yeah, and yeah. this <laughs> other
1: guy looked like he he would beat people in train tunnels and <laughs> stuff, you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, he was an incredible drummer, really tasty, kind of one of those guys that just played really straight but the groove was incredible. And um, so I was really inspired by that. I remember that – I think Ben Harper still does it now so maybe it's kind of a gimmick that he's he's always kept in his career. But I remember at the end of the show he, he took the mic down and just sang a song a cappella to the audience and it was just – incredibly powerful hearing someone with a voice with that much soul I mean he's I've always really loved gospel music like Sam Cook and the soul stirers star- mm. and stuff like that so I was really kind of inspired to to try and include that in the in the music that Powderfinger was doing then too where whereas prior to that it had been a little more, bit more yelly kind of <laughs> screamy <laughs> screaming out to try and get over the bogans playing guitar <laughs> so, my
0: so he smoothed out the edges a little bit
1: yeah well, probably, yeah, and used more falsetto and things like that As, as he does in, the, in that song So yeah. I kind of used my voice a bit differently And you're working your way from the ground On down, on down
0: Your way from the ground On down, on down you're working on a new album at the moment as well, yeah. As Bernard Fanning, the new yes, solo record. As Bernard Fanning
1: from Bernard Fanning. <laughs> yes. I have to Call myself these days.
0: <laughs> Are you writing it um, in Spain, where you're currently based? Yeah, yeah. And how's it all going?
1: Great. I'm having. I'm honestly having the best time I've had writing for probably ten or fifteen years. I reckon. I'm just the last record I made. I I wanted to make a whole lot of changes to what I was doing. I wanted to kind of break the cycle of how I was writing and teach myself some new things. Um, and it was kind of a painful process in in that sense. It was kind of like going going to uni or something because <laughs> I was learning all this stuff and I had to concentrate really hard on the actual mechanics of editing and learning how to program drums and play bass and all that stuff. Mm. And this time I'm just back to playing my acoustic guitar and just mucking around with open tunings and things like that. So... It's much more mellow and and really concentrating on lyrics again, which I didn't really do last time. I was kind of just letting stuff happen last time. I I, I sort of handed the idea over to just whatever happened last time, whereas not out of laziness, more out of trying to change the method than when, anything.
0: When you're following that intuition, how quickly do the hits come? Can you kind of, if, if you've got something that, and I hate that's a horrible thing to say, but it's, you know, if... If you get a good idea and you just follow it, do you find that's that's where some of your biggest songs have have come from, or are yeah, the well, biggest songs the ones uh, that you slave over?
1: No, I mean "Wish You Well," which I, I'd I'd f- finished. I, I remember I was at my house. I was living by myself at the time, and I I realized I thought I was on the way to go and record Teen Sympathy." Maybe a week later, mm. and I had finished. Uh, like I've got fifteen songs here. It's all great. I'm ready to. I'm ready to go. So I kind of, you know, got pissed on the veranda or something, <laughs> and, and kind of celebrated behind then, the music um, with Bernard yeah, Fanning. Yeah. And all by myself. <laughs> mm. Red light flashing there, right there. Um, but. Uh, and then the next morning, I woke up and Wish You Well was just, it just appeared. And, and that song actually just came out in about 15 minutes. So a lot of people would say, yeah, no shit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it actually kind of wrote itself. Up so well, it feels so bright. I didn't get much sleep last night. A freight train rattled through my head. And that's only ever happened to me a couple of times And that was Wish You Well and Pick You Up Which was a Powderfinger song Which which kind of got us a fair bit of attention For the first time as well And and became a hit, I suppose Yeah, so well of
0: course Wish You Well was your number one Hottest 100 as a mm-hmm. solo artist So yeah. incredible uh, as well And, you know, showing that direct pop songs yeah. With a man and a guitar, you yeah. know, can, can work
1: That's right but And it was almost an afterthought, that song so <laughs> On a hangover Yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We were talking just before about politics in music and that first time you heard Disposable Heroes and how strong that political intent they had was in, the, in their lyrics and how that shaped you as a musician. Through the years, Powderfinger haven't shied away from sharing you know, your political heart on your sleeve. Spain in particular is a country that, along with many other nations in Europe, is going through huge economic turmoil. Does mm-hmm. that sort of stuff feed into your writing when you're thinking about this new record, that environment? Yeah.
1: Yeah, but more in the Australian context. I mean, we've there's enough injustice happening here for without me having to worry about what's happening in Spain, which which there's just obscene corruption and, and injustice over there. Mm. But I think I'm probably better qualified to look at what's happening here. And it's interesting to do it from outside of Australia yeah, as well. Yeah, do you still
0: feel connected?
1: I do, absolutely. I, I actually consume more media there, more Australian media on the internet than I do when I'm at home. I have more time. mm Um, I just don't have to be on my phone very much over there, (laughs) which is awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really aware of what's happening in Australia at the moment. And I think there's just, I mean, there's so many unfairnesses and I mean, for me, the base one is, is the asylum seeker situation, which is, is just as far as I'm concerned, is just disgraceful and inhumane. So that's definitely feeding into some of the things that I've been writing about, but you know, I'm, I'm, I've always taken the, the approach that. I can write about politics. I write about whatever makes me feel right, however I feel, whatever I feel strongly about. But if the song's not good enough to make it on the record, it's not good enough to make it on the record. That's, mm. It's about making music, essentially. And I think you diminish the power of a political song if it's a kind of a shit song. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it needs to be a great song for it to, to have any power.
0: Now she's done, and they're calling someone. Gonna to go to a beautiful song next. Elliot Smith, Waltz Number Two. Tell us about this song and, and where it takes you.
1: Well, I, I've always been a massive Beatles fan, and I th- it's pretty clear that Elliot Smith was as well. Yeah. And and I was I was really excited and kind of relieved to hear somebody that was a modern songwriter that referenced them so clearly but was still so original and still had their own sound. And um and this this song actually made me go and buy a piano so i'd already i'd already always played piano but not very well but this song made me realize that i needed to i needed to use that as a tool for songwriting because i've to me it's the most beautiful sounding instrument no matter what a piano yeah when, because, I mean, I, I just love timber instruments anyway. That's, I'm not really a synth guy, which is probably pretty clear by now. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but I New just love, album will yeah, not be electro synth. Probably not. No. Uh, but I just love the sound that wood makes, that timber makes, you know, and and pianos just, they fill the entire room when they're played beautifully. Mm. And then, I mean, the piano line in this song is just, it's heartbreaking. And the, and the end... There's a beautiful string part in in it as well, which is I think it's called Glissando, which what happens, which is like a harmonic descending string thing that happens in the end of this song, and it's just an incredible use of it. And I'd never heard it used in a in a contemporary song before. It's really like a it's like a classical device, really. But it was used in this song. Everything about this song, the production is incredible. I mean, we, Powderfinger ended up making a record with Rob Schnapp who made this yeah, elite right. S- Elliot Smith record. Yeah, um, Just as much of it, as a result of this song as, as other work that he'd done.
0: Tell me about Mia Dyson. Why did you choose that really wonderful song, "Outskirts of Town"? Um,
1: I just think she's a genius songwriter. She's a, she's incredible, and and that song in particular. Australia doesn't really have much of a tradition of kind of that blue collar style songwriting, like Springsteen mm. style. And and that to me song, that Pop song is yeah, but. It's not as Barnsley's stuff Is probably Not quite as Poetic As this As this song is It's mm. a bit more rock and And this song I just I was just Completely knocked over By that song When I heard it I just think she's talking about, you know, someone on the bus going to town, going to work her second job, sweeping up, you know, and it really, there's, there's so much empathy in the writing there and she's just criminally underrated. I just don't understand why she's not a, a massive star in Australia. She's an incredible
0: songwriter and that she's voice a, she's as well, just so and much And guitar soul. player. Yeah, And, shreds.
1: and, and, and writer. In particular, I think she's her her writing is really underrated. She's magnificent, and her voice is just
0: that melancholy.
1: Yeah, and that vibrato.
0: Big scary and luck now is the last choice that you've had for us today. Yeah. Why this one?
1: Um, these guys came on tour with me last year. Um, I've I heard I remember hearing a song of theirs of Vacation, which was their first album, I think, and. Uh, and I'm kind of a little bit out of touch. And so I rang my nephew to say, <laughs> oh, what's the story with Big Scary? And he said, yeah, get onto it. They're really awesome. This is years ago. This must have been four or five years ago, yeah. I suppose. Uh, and then, and so I've been a fan ever since. And then when they put this record out, Not Art, I, th- I think this song, I mean, this word gets bandied around a lot, but to me, this song is actually, I think it's a masterpiece. It's, it's got... All, it's it has a beautiful melody but it also has really intense lyrics that that kinda of speak straight to that idea of when a relationship is falling to pieces. about, um, remember the heat at the start. Now you hear the sound of my feet as I'm walking away. I mean, that is, it's really powerful stuff. Mm. And there's like little jazzy piano lines. There's this groove that kind of keeps tripping over itself. Yeah, it does. It sounds like it's tripping over It's not really, it's not like hip shaking, but it, but it's really compelling and it's got this really spare kind of piano in there. I just, I just think it's amazing. I was, I just loved playing with them. And I, again, another, another Australian band that is just super underrated and, and deserve to be much more wide, widely acknowledged.
0: Incredible duo. Um, Tom Jansek also not only an incredible songwriter, but that voice and his production as well. Yeah,
1: and Joe is an incredible drummer as, as well. She kills it. Yeah, and a maniac.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love as well whenever you go to a big scary show, if you've only heard a couple of their songs, you're like, I know what this band sounds like, and then you're like, yeah. what? They've just covered the history of music in one set. They have incredible yeah. range.
1: And his voice is not actually even the first thing that people talk about, but he's he sings like Jeff Buckley. Mm. I mean it's really phenomenal how well he sings as well.
0: Bernard Fanning, topping off his take five with Big Scary. Always one of my favourite people to chat with, and on that memorable occasion, it was such a joy. Powderfinger have a huge history in live performance. Did you know that they are the act that played the most big day outs in history? Right now, the story of Australia's most loved touring festival is being told on another podcast. Inside the Big Day Out traverses the festival's highest and lowest moments across five episodes. It's brilliant. It's been out for a little while, but if you haven't yet caught it, you can find it now wherever you get your podcasts and on the Triple J and ABC Listen app. As for the Take 5, I'll catch you next time for more Archival Gold. Hear the people you love. Hi, I'm Jon Jet. Hey, this is Nana Cherry. And I'm taking five. Talk about the five songs they love. Fire. Hear stories of discovery. And I heard this thing coming out of the speakers. I was like, oh my God, what is that noise? Wow. And the songs that changed how they saw the world.
1: It just affected me deeply. I never knew rap could be that powerful.
0: Like a jungle. Join Zan Rowe and Take 5. Life 101 with Kimber and Zan. Pull up a chair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Subscribe now.